Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Conor McGregor was an exciting fighter, and left-handers are always a lot of fun to watch. But the truth is, most people didn't know Conor until he got on the mic. And make no bones about it, the guy's a goddamn superstar in front of the camera. He could be the funniest prize fighter of all time, particularly if you take his accent into account. And he's kind of got to be the funniest fighter of the modern era. He's got that thing where he's so good at talking shit that you kind of just start to believe what the guy's saying. McGregor started fighting professionally in 2008, came to the UFC in 2013, but after a couple years in the show, Connor didn't really have his marquee breakout win. He beat Max Holloway, but Max was a baby at the time. He, had, he, was, he was a year off being the youngest fighter in the UFC stable. The Chad Mendez fight was Connor's coming out party, but even then, Chad took the fight on short notice. Connor became a star on the UFC's Ultimate Fighter, but again, it's just because he's so good at making content. But then, in December of 2015, Dana White announced Connor McGregor would headline UFC 194 in Las Vegas, Nevada, and fight none other than, oh, just perhaps the pound-for-pound best fighter in UFC history at the time, Mr. I-haven't-lost-in-10-years, Jose Aldo. That's what the UFC does. They make the fights people want to see. So what will happen in this fight? Will Brazil's legendary champion finally shut Ireland's big mouth? Or will that big mouth bark even louder? Because that's what's at stake here. Conor McGregor in this fight is either exposed as a fraud, he's exposed for being all talk, or he's suddenly in contention for being included in the rarest, most exclusive group of elite athletes to ever walk this planet. The people who are not just the best of the best, they're also the most entertaining And it only took 13 seconds to find out. This is First Ballot. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and decides whether they're good enough for the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Neil, a.k.a. Gotham Coach, the long-lost Gasol brother, the podcast Jordan Clarkson, half Jollibee, half Omri Caspi. I'm not the biggest Lakers fan. I'm the best Lakers fan. Mr. Not Always Right, but Mr. Never Wrong. Coming to you live from the First Ballot Hall of Fame home office and my Shaquille O'Neal office depot big and tall executive suite desk chair top grain black leather is fantastic the first ballot hall of fame podcast is brought to you by the ball is life podcast network you know what it is we're building slowly but surely the show keeps growing today's episode of the show could be sponsored by it could be sponsored by 
Jollibee. The last time I recorded a prize fighting episode with Rafe Bartholomew, I had not tried Jollibee. I have since been to the Philippines, Mr. Big Time here. I absolutely loved it, and I ate way too much Jollibee. It's it, it, absurd that I would go to another country and then eat, eat a bunch of fast food I can get in fucking Times Square. Guess my guess, who I haven't introduced yet. Have you had Jollibee before? I have not, but I, okay. I heard that episode, you, and it that's sounds racist. Great. I do think that's racist that you haven't tried it yet. Listen, <laughs> it's not a big deal. Well, I have I'll a black liver from eating too much fast food throughout my life, so that's not racist <laughs> okay. at all. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Uh, I have the the friend that I had some Jolly Bee with said to me that Jolly Bee spices their chicken like they got something to prove. I think that's a great sentence. I'm going to leave it right there. Jolly Bee, it was a chicken heavy trip. I'm willing to try everything else on the menu. I did have some sort of delicious ice cream dessert thing with like, I don't know, it had like croutons on it. I found it to be delicious. The ice cream I thought was a good quality. Whatever the sauce was, I, I thought was tasty. It wasn't too sweet. And the croutons, nice texture change. They, I'm not certain they were croutons, but I won't research this. Jollibee, if you want to pay, I'll research. No money. I'll say whatever I want. That's how it works. Conor McGregor's knockout of Jose Aldo at UFC 194 is one of the great moments in mixed martial arts history and in sports in general. But is it a first belt Hall of Famer? It's only the best here in the first belt Hall of Fame. We have to decide if this moment is good enough. And to do that, we'll have to go through our first belt Hall of Fame credentials. And we'll go through them with our episode guest today. Now, Rafe Bartholomew, who I've already mentioned, messaged me, said, you got to have my guy on the show. Every time I listen to your show, I wonder, what would my guy say on this show? You got to have him on. I listened to Rafe through and through. Thank you for the recommendation. Booked him immediately. I'm so excited to meet this guy and get to know him with all of you listening. He's a writer at CBS Sports, an analyst at Showtime Sports. He's been a color commentator at NBC and DAZN. He spent a decade plus at ESPN and Grantland. He's one of the co-hosts of the very successful, very entertaining morning combat podcast. It's Mr. Brian Campbell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or as we like to call it, the award-winning morning combat. I never have to explain (laughs) who sent the award or what it was for, but forever, it's the (laughs) award-winning. Brian, set the table for us right out of the gate. What's your favorite sport, your favorite team, and your favorite athlete of all time? Okay, my favorite sport is boxing. It is uh, what got me into the combat space along with pro wrestling and the Rocky movies, which is just a natural uh, combustible connection there of what happened right there. Um, can I ask you, can I, can I jump in and ask you a question? Sure. If boxing is a 10, you love boxing. Yes. Boxing is a 10. Where is MMA? MMA is about a eight and a half. I'd put boxing at 10, uh, basketball at nine and MMA right, bef- right behind that. Fascinating. Got it. That's fantastic. Okay. So what's your favorite team of all time? Since you're a boxing fan, I do I I guess you could say listen, it's your question. What's yeah. Your favorite team although I don't follow them anymore, uh the New York Mets are is my uh, are my uh Got the it. team that I've cared about the most. The team that I had, you know, spent hundreds of dollars on scalp tickets to watch them, you know, advance in the playoffs while drinking too much and getting uh, you know, peppered with uh trash from my own fans or being too drunk and obnoxious. That's my team, the New York Mets. <laughs> now I know a lot about you. You just saying that you saying that the Mets are your team. Now everybody knows a little bit about Brian Campbell. And who's your favorite athlete of all time? Uh, I this I don't know if this is weird or not, but it's Larry Bird. I mean, I grew up in Connecticut. This is this is in this is the most insane grouping of answers <laughs> for this question. 
you have gone all over the board. I mean, I, I think it's lovely that you're saying this without thinking twice about how insane your answers are. I appreciate it. I, I think it's lovely that you're doing it. Please, I'm sorry, I cut you off now twice. Uh, explain to me why you love Larry. Right, well, I grew up in Connecticut, which is obviously not far from Boston. But in the 80s, yeah. I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's house. She was a monster right. sports fan, New York Mets fan, Boston Celtics fan. And she had a rule. Mm. If the if Larry Bird's on, you can't watch cartoons in, in the upstairs living room. Yeah. So I ended up coming of age. You know, the, the Celtics were in the NBA Finals in 84, 85, 86. And while I certainly wasn't a game-to-game, day-to-day fan... I came of age as Larry Bird is the, you know, is the Messiah within that sport. And I certainly, while I can't shoot a lick, yet still play basketball even today at age 45, I certainly have modeled Larry's ability to, you know, dive for loose balls and act like I'm the hardest worker on the floor at all times. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, Larry Bird, I hate Larry Bird. (laughs) And the Celtics, I want to be clear about that. Everybody knows that I'm the best Lakers fan in the world. Um, everybody knows that that's that my reputation precedes me um larry bird is one of the few guys that i literally hate hated i loathed as a kid but that as i grew up i learned to appreciate him he you know what he he might be the he might be the reason that i can do that with anyone in general that i can sort of get over things and just go well you know he it is amazing the way he played and how he played and he, how funny he was and and all of those things so uh, much respect for Larry well, he, Bird. I he do produced, hate him, and I wish he never So existed. my years of, like, really loving Larry Bird were his old years, mm. right? Post-89 yes. heel surgery. Yes. So he produced what is my favorite trope in all of sports, and it can and it when it happens in the fight game where I, where I work, I get so excited. The old guy, if you remember Larry Bird in the 91 and 92 seasons, barely able to make it on the court. He'd play five minutes, yeah. he'd lay on his stomach and have back right. contractions. But every yes. couple games, he could remind you. Yeah. I mean, dropping forty something <laughs> on the Trailblazers that time and hitting that crazy three pointer to tie. I mean, he could do things that are just ridiculous. And I cling to that trope today, even watching. Like we always yeah. think, every fighter's got one more fight, one more fight. big performance in them. Yes. There's something about somebody who there used is. to have it. They don't have it anymore. Yeah. But every once in a while, I try to live my life like that, right? You know, I, f- I fail yeah, most I of the you. time, but every once in a while. That's the truth, man. And there's something warm and lovely about seeing just a flash of it. You're like, oh, there he is. That's the guy I know. Oh, my God. That was just like this moment. Yes, you're 100% right. Um, so wait, hold on very quickly before we move on. Why do you love boxing so much more? So much. One, one and a half points on our unofficial scale here. Why is boxing in 10? Why is MMA in 8? Why is MMA not higher because i'll be honest i grew up loving boxing but if you said to me you get to watch one uh, maybe i'd watch boxing still but it's pretty close it depending i guess it would depend on who was fighting i wouldn't uh, uh always just choose the boxing match if the if the right guys are if the wrong guys are boxing i might choose the mma why is there a gap between those two for you well, boxing was my first love. Yeah. I got into it. Like my dad was monster into the Rocky movies. So I'm watching Rocky one and two and three in the buildup to go into the theater to see Rocky four. Yeah. At that same time, you have to remember, I get MTV when we bought a house May 1st, 1984. I'm five mm-hmm. years old. I turned that thing on and didn't turn it off for like three years. And my parents were just like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Watch it. Suddenly it's the rock and wrestling connection. And the WWF is on there with Hulk Hogan. Then Hulk Hogan is showing up on the A team. And then simultaneously, my dad, never a sports fan, except for Mike Tyson's post jail run. When we had the illegal pay-per-view box, my mom's father, my grandfather, never a sports (laughs) fan, except for 
when I was a kid, we couldn't. I couldn't watch TV if boxing was on. We had to sit on the floor. So I sat on the yeah. floor with my dad and grandfather, watch Mike Tyson's first yes. fight in HBO, watch Evander Holyfield's yes. first fight. So to answer your question, though, my buddy, one of my best friends in the business, John Anik, he's the voice of the UFC, used mm. to work with him for years at ESPN. He'll echo this. He always says this, and it's true. Day-to-day, week-to-week, MMA, and when we're talking about MMA, we're talking about the UFC, mm. It kicks boxing's ass day to day, week to week. It gives you what you want. The best fight, the best. It's exciting. It's edgy. It's everything. But when boxing is great, which is once a year, twice a year, once every five years, depending on your tolerance level, it's the greatest thing in sports. (laughs) It's a reflection of life. It's gross (laughs) and gnarly and and behind the times in terms of PC ways, but it is just classic. And there's just something connected going back to growing up in a tough town in suburban Connecticut, but a tough factory town, not being able to fight, looking at all the kids that could fight as my idols and mystery matchmaking. Imagine if that kid fought that kid. It's still the same way today in boxing. Imagine if that guy moved up and wait and fought that guy. There's something about the pure element of two men settling it shirtless and finding out in that moment who's tougher that I still yearn for. I mean, I can't, man, I can't disagree with anything you just said. And it's the same thing. And I don't know that anyone's ever answered that question. Like, why do you love boxing and not said, oh, my old man? Like, it's always the old yeah. man. That's where it always comes from. I, the same thing. I remember sitting in my dad's office and he's in the chair behind me. And that, that was, those Tyson fights on HBO, man, just to get to see my father get excited. My father would have made a great dictator. He never spoke to anybody. He had his hands behind his back, constantly judging everyone in his, in his surroundings. And, but to watch him watch Tyson on that HBO run and to see him get excited, man, that was so much fun. And it just put boxing in my heart forever. And I understand all the issues with it, but I just I'll never be able to leave it ever. You obviously remember when Tyson bit Holyfield's ear yes, during his post-jail Showtime run. Yes. My dad standing up in front of the TV squ- screamed the F word like 57 straight times and said, <laughs> Mike Tyson needs to be arrested. He needs to be deported. He needs to be put away. Like, these are the moments that you're like, oh, my God, Dad, you're losing your mind over this. Like, relax here a little bit. You know, like, yeah, those are the moments, man. Those are the moments. And one more thing about my dad. Again, never a sports fan. Used to buy me the WrestleManias. But when Sugar Ray Leonard fought Marvin Hagler in 1987... Uh. We had a pay-per-view party at our house. That means that fight had to get to a level that even this non-sports fan at work hearing the right. guys talk about it had to be like, I'm sorry, I need to yeah. see this thing. You know, okay. that's bo- that's boxing though. Before we move on, I have two questions for you. One, three questions. I added one. Number one, who's your favorite fighter, boxer? Two, do you have a favorite fight? Three, and it can be, this can be one of the answers that you've just said. If you had, I asked you to come on and talk about McGregor Aldo. I asked you to do that. If you have full production control of the first ballot podcast, Hall of Fame podcast, <laughs> and you can talk about any other boxing moment, what boxing moment are you choosing? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, if I'm going to any boxing moment, I'm going to May 7th, 2005. You ever heard of this little piece of business called Corrales Castillo one oh my God. <laughs> lightweight title unification, which aired on Showtime. It's not hyperbole to say that's that. the greatest fight yeah. in the history of yeah. boxing. It's a, Ugh. it's a 10 and a half round movie. It is Ugh. a, you know, it's just one of those things that 
Like, it's actually not my favorite fight. It's my second favorite fight. But it is the most epic piece of business I've yeah. ever seen. It's, it is, I, I want to tell you, I'm completely crestfallen. It is a mistake that I had you come on and talk about Craig Gerald, though. We should oh, have I love done that Greg fight. Gerald, Believe me. No, no, no. It's great. And this is going to be a good episode. I'm not going to ruin this. I want to make sure that it's good. But that fight's so good. Why don't we... Why, I'm. Uh, this is my pitch. Me, you, and Rafe get together and do that fight. Heck yeah. Okay. Heck yeah. All right. Let's all right. To, to answer your questions quickly, my favorite fight yeah. of all time, you remember a couple of years earlier, 2002, the, the uh, Mickey Ward, Arturo Gatti yes. uh, trilogy. Wait, yes. The first one. Yes. Even though it's not as good of a fight yes. start to finish as yes. Corrales Castillo, yes. there is an emotional oh connection with the care. I always say this. There's great action fights, but a great action fight could mean different things. Yes. Sometimes it's just two guys running into each other a hundred times until yes. one falls. Right. I like action fights that have character, that mm -hmm. have overcoming. Mm -hmm. This isn't boxing anymore, right? It's it's like this is this is real life happening, playing out a mirror in front of you. It's the most that's why boxing is the best sport. Because nothing the, the stakes are higher than in any other sport mm -hmm. because you can literally die there and people that's do right. every single year. But above that, you have an opportunity to show more character within yes. a sporting event oh. than any other sport bar none, right? I couldn't agree with you more. There, there, some, when you bring up those two fights, it makes me go, there are sports fans. There's like a fucking 40-year-old sports fan. Like, I'm not even talking about a kid. There's like a 40-year-old sports fan. Loves sports. Loves the NFL. Loves basketball. Watch baseball every once in a while. Loves World Cup, soccer, all that stuff, and has never seen those two fights. And I want to put my hand on that person's shoulder and go, what are you doing? What are you doing? How could you not know those two fights that you just described, Steel Corrales and, and Gotti Ward 1? If those are... They're on another planet. They really are. It's like it's 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 honestly it's it's past even talking about. Like it's it's sort of a experience. It's like a religious thing watching those guys really do it. And I want to say the what really rejuvenated my love for boxing because again I grew up uh, that those Tyson years and I grew up uh, Hagler and Hearns. That's my favorite fight, Hagler Hearns. Uh, what really rejuvenated my love of boxing was the for the hbo doc series and the oh the, legendary nights legendary nights and the one where they where they go into the camps what the hell are those camps 360 uh, 24/7 24/7 those series at, give you the context of knowing what is at stake for these two men that are in the ring sure. and again you can watch just a fight with two men in the ring and to your point either one of these two or both of them could pass away they could pass away from this venture that they're entering into and we're all agreeing to that fact and we're we all, all agreeing to it in. and now the, and then they add those those doc series that give you a little bit of their backstory and the kids and they've you know grew up poor and whatever the whatever the backstory was it just it just to me it roots me even deeper in what's going on in these moments sure i absolutely love those all of them i don't care who's fighting if they made a doc series on it i'm watching and we'll talk about the one for for this uh mcgregor aldo fight as well uh, coming up. Did you pick your favorite fighter? No. So here's what it is. Oh, my second favorite fighter is Sugar Ray Leonard. He's the first fighter that caught my heart as a kid. I cried yeah. when Terry Norris knocked him out in the early 90s and it was like, oh, he's done. Only he came back another, <laughs> you know, a lot of times. My favorite fighter is Oscar De La Hoya, but it wasn't supposed wow. to be that. And people are like, really? This pretty boy? Oh, didn't he wear fishnets that time? <laughs> he did. He did wear fishnets that time. And, you know, I think we're at the point now where we can say, hey, that's OK, man. But here's the deal. Oscar post-career or even really the second half of his career on yeah. 
it's been a train wreck. He's had substance abuse issues, mental health challenges. You know, I, I, I relate to him. My heart pours out to him. But the reason why he's my favorite fighter is because he got pushed down all of our throats, right? Golden boy, won the gold medal, getting all the his pro debut on, on national television, pushed down our throats. Oh, maybe he won a couple fights that people thought he didn't against Pernell Whitaker or what have you. But have you ever seen him fight Ike Corte? Have you ever seen him when he was potentially down on the scorecards in round 12, yet he got up off the canvas and knocked Corte down? There is a backbone underneath that guy that me, as the as the sports fan who I guess inevitably falls for the pretty boys, right? They're marketable. They get your attention. But I always, like everybody else, go, yeah, but is he a real fighter at the end of the day? Yeah. You know what? It turned out he was a real fighter at the end yeah. of the day. The best thing about Oscar's legacy, besides the fishnets, besides the debate of whether substance abuse <laughs> killed the second half of his career, was this. This is his Hall of Fame legacy. He always tried to fight the biggest and most yes. difficult name possible. Yes. As yes. a fan, that's everything you, you, you should or could ever yep. ask for. Yep, I, I couldn't agree more. A bunch of things. One, I really appreciate the, the UFC make sure that they make the fights that everyone wants to see. I appreciate that from the UFC Two, you're very good at this. It's very clear why you work in this industry and uh, that you've been successful as you are and have been, and will continue to be. Did, was that always a dream of yours? Like, did you, at what point did you go, I want to work in this sport and then be a broadcaster? When, when did that all happen? My dream in life was, I grew up 20 minutes outside of ESPN my dream in life was just to work at ESPN. I don't care. Right. Am I cutting hot hockey highlights? Am I the janitor? <laughs> and I got into sports writing and I sort of hit a, you know, quarter life crisis. Is this ever going to go anywhere? I'm covering high school football, but who cares? I got lucky enough to finally get in the back door to ESPN in my late twenties. And it was 12 incredibly long, mm -hmm. low pay uphill climb years. Like a lot of us have to do in this industry. But I got to ESPN and I remember getting to a point where I had a boss who sat me down, the late, great Anthony Mormile. By the way, his son is my podcast producer today. And I love that fact that it's all mm -hmm. full circle right here. But Anthony Mormile said to me, you work hard for us. We love you. What do you want to do? I can make a phone call upstairs. You want to be an NFL wow. blogger? You want to be an NBA editor? What's your end game? I said, boss, you can't pick what you love. And I love boxing. You knew it right away. There was no, you didn't pause. You didn't like go get, let me take a nope. night to think about this. You knew it right away. And he, and I, you know, I think I had one story published on ESPN.com mm. that I begged the editor to mm. let me write. I had no footing in this business, right. but I remember saying to him and looking him in the eye, cause he goes, here's the, here's the heart, the part that hurt. This was 2011 He go, or 2010. He goes, how many people right now are getting paid full time? He goes, you have young children. How many people are getting paid full time to cover boxing? At that point, it was two and a half, two and a half people. Right. Today, it might be one. You know what I mean? It really might yeah. be one. You usually have to be like boxing and, and mm -hmm. NBA or do what I did, which is acquire mixed martial arts, which I love, by the way, but, mm -hmm. you know, and do both. And I remember just telling them, I, I can't stop this obsession. This is what I want to do. And somewhere along the way, though, I just said, you know what? I, I might be able to do this. And 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 thank God, uh, here's where I am today. Uh, I'm not going to move into the moment yet either. I've got another question. I want you to rank the Rocky movies uh, from worst to best. Wow. Did you know that I had just ahead of Creed three introduced my 15 year old twin sons to the Rocky and Creed series, make that made them watch every single movie in consecutive order. And then did a podcast, uh, from, from my, my podcast morning combat where I ranked every single one. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Now, now I feel bad that I didn't know that. Uh, hold on. Do you, so you have a ranking, you know what they are. Yes. Okay. Give me your rankings, worst to best, the Rocky franchise. Okay, uh, the the worst one in, uh, is uh, is Rocky Five. Oh, I mean, I, you know, no, I don't. I don't agree with that. 
in in while I <laughs> while I have maintained over you. the years that there's an endearing charm to that yes. that movie, yes. mostly because I actually like the script and people yes, forget same. they brought back the director from Rocky One. It was the first time he came back into the series. I didn't realize that. And they did that gritty retread of yes. Rocky loses it all. He's back in his home yes. city. Only there's this young kid, Tommy Gunn, Tommy Morrison, who wants to get trained, and Rocky's focusing too much on the kid when he should be focused on his own son. It's a beautiful <laughs> story. It was just executed absurdly, <laughs> and not to mention that there's no continuity. Because the Rocky Five picks up the second after Rocky Four ends. Yes. Only they are in a different right. house. Yes. The kids are different ages. Yes. I mean, it's just a crazy absolute All right. train. Okay, okay. I'll allow that. I just want to say that I enjoy Rocky Five, but go keep going. Uh Creed Two, I think, yes. is second worst. And and even though that had the Drago Sun storyline, again, should have been perfect. It just didn't hit. Wait, if, so you like Creed? Three more than Creed two. I do, I do. Controversially, I do. Should I like that they tried this? something different. Should we different. stop this conversation? We just go. Uh, then we Rocky just go the two. Thing? People knee jerk and, and act like Rocky two is a classic because it feels at times like Rocky one, and it picks up again right where it left off. Rocky two is the whereas Rocky one, the, the charm in that movie. Yeah. is the the gritty acting it was it didn't even seem like stallone was acting it seemed like he's just being it part two they override i mean remember he's crying next to adrian on that when she's in a coma i mean it's just it's it's horrible you have i just want to be clear you have creed three over rocky two i do i do rocky two needs to be re-examined people need to Woo! go back and actually watch it because here's the problem people love the end scene in rocky two which is great right the double yeah. knockdown it's 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 great. it's incredible yes. The rest of that movie's a, a, a sneaky train wreck, okay? All right, okay. Then we're going to go Creed 3. Okay. Uh, the villain. What's what's the fella's name? The I villain is... I don't know his name. But the I, bad I guy is... Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Jonathan Majors, is that his name? Yes, Absolutely name. incredible. Boy, Absolutely incredible. I actually like the chances they took in the main event fight where other people didn't, with the cage and all the kind of weirdness, Dodger Stadium. I was all into that spoiler alert, okay? <laughs> um, where are we now in the in the, in the the countdown? Um it would be Creed one. Yes. Right. Creed one. Creed one is great. I think it's great. I do. I enjoy I, I can, it. That's I cannot awesome. believe I rewatched it twice before counting these down and I cannot believe how good it is. It, it It's formulaic in that, in what they're trying yeah. to do, but yet yeah. it, it felt fresh. It felt yes. good yes. introducing new characters. I mean, yes. Michael B. Jordan rules in that role. It's fantastic. Even Mrs. Cosby is great. And it, it, fantastic. Felicia Rashad is, is a gem. I don't know if we can call her that legally anymore. Um, <laughs> Then here's here's the rest of it, okay? And I think this is pretty easy. This is getting exciting. Rocky Four, I have at number three. And I could justify that at number one. In fact, that was my number one for many, many, many years. But I'm a guest. I'm a guest. But what we love about it is also what holds it back from being yeah. number one, right? I mean, it is it is not a boxing movie. It does no. not fit into the Rocky series. It is a peak Stallone, yes. Schwarzenegger, Seagal yeah, yeah, yeah. action movie. Yeah, and it is, it is oh, the yeah, fastest yeah. moving of the series. Remember that scene where Drago's getting poked with the steroid needle? That's the whole do. movie. It's yeah. just on steroids. And the greatest soundtrack of all time, Rafe Bartholomew and I did a Grantland boxing podcast where we picked No Easy Way Out as the theme song, obviously, right? Okay, number two is Rocky Three, And I think this has a case for being the best ever. I really do. I really think it does. You have Rocky three above Rocky four. Yes. And I, I think I, if you go back and watch that, it is almost as fast moving as Rocky four, but it's just much better acted across the board. God. The fact that Rocky's dealing with doubt, the fact that Mickey reveals, well, we've been patting your, your record since you became champ for a while. And it's like, you know, and he wants to retire. And Mr. T is just, 
everything yeah, in that yeah. movie. And also Burgess Meredith as Mickey yes. is just, yeah, I mean, he yeah. pours his guts out for that one. For sure. And even though it's not sexy to put Rocky one at number one, I mean, it's the, it's the, yeah, it's the, it's, the, it's it. the only one that's a great pure movie. I get right? it. I get it. I think, I do think you've lost the room. I think you've lost the audience. I think everyone that's listening to this now hates you. It's possible because these touch, you know, and I was I a Rocky bad. four number one guy forever, but I had to come to reality with that. You I know, you feel had to come bad, to Brian. This is my show. I'm supposed to be taking care of you. I you can gave cut this you a thing that you said, and now people are furious at you. They can't believe you said the dumb things that you've said. I'm not saying that they're dumb, but I do know that a lot of people are saying that they're dumb as they're listening to this <laughs> in their cars or wherever they're listening. I apologize to you for that. Um, you might get a DM or something from somebody that says that was stupid. And that you're an idiot. And I, and again, it's not my business. I don't want to. I don't. I want to defend you, but also it's not my business because if that's how they feel, and maybe What's they the feel most that way for a real reason. I Be think. Honest, I think you. I think you have to have. I think four has to be at least two. I think. Four okay, has so to be at least two. I'm not against you on that. I'm yeah. telling you that four was my favorite my whole life. But is it the greatest film? I think yes, it's the third. It is. Film. I think it is. <laughs> oh, all, right, all right. Wait. Wait. Where do Where do you have Rocky Balboa? Oh, so I forgot that. That's a yes. great call. That's yes. the one that I forgot. I put Rocky Balboa between Creed One, yes, and whatever I had after that in my wait, but under it or, or above it? Above it. So I guess okay, that would yes, be fifth. I'm agreed. Yes, I love because Rocky Balboa. That's a blast. I think if they would have ended that movie before the final fight scene, yes. it might it might Same. be in the top two. Yeah, like that that is that is among the most brilliant work. That's probably Stallone's second best acted. I agree on with the you. whole series Full outside of Rocky agree. One. You just got us back. You just got okay. us back, Brian. Congratulations. But, but here's job. the deal, though the the ending, the final fight, it's 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 just un, it yeah, brought us yeah. back into the cheesy part of what yes. Rockies are about. That's yeah. what I'm willing to do, though. I'm willing if I like the if I like a movie or if a movie's really close to me, I'll go. I'll just snip that out. I, I don't even care about that last fight. Yeah. Just take it out. Okay. I, yes, did it happen? Was it in the movie? Is it in the movie? If I watch it right now, of course it is. But just take it out and just judge it for all the lovely things that happened before that. Uh, listen, let's, uh, let's, we got to move on. We've talked so long. We got to decide whether the McGregor Aldo fight, uh, goes into the first belt hall of fame to do that. We have to go through our first belt hall of fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge our moment. The first credential as always analytics. Here are the numbers. Here's some numbers behind this moment. Brian, jump in whenever you have something to add. Aldo was 25 and one entering the fight. His first loss was in 2005, very early in his career. Aldo then went undefeated for a decade. <laughs> 10 years he does not lose, undefeated in the UFC, 15-0 in UFC fights. He was, at the time, the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the UFC. Connor, 18-2 and at the time of the Aldo fight. He lost in uh, 2008 and 2010. He was 7-0 in the UFC, winning all but one by knockout with wins against Max Holloway, Dustin Poirier, and Chad Mendez. Connor, two inches taller, four-inch reach advantage, naturally heavier fighter, certainly worth mentioning here i read some insane stat at some point about like when you're the bigger fighter like at this level the bigger fighter is supposed to win like fucking like 95 percent of the time or some crazy fucking stat obviously don't quote that because that's shit's not real but i remember hearing it as a kid and being like i gotta remember that remember that forever anytime some bigger dude drops down and then just mop somebody it's like listen let's take it easy on the this the little dude that tried to, to fight the bigger guy well, I got to add to your stats there and say this about Aldo, the king of Rio, right? Brazil's finest. Over that 10 years, he was 18 and 0. And we're talking about 
10 of those being title fights in mm -hmm. which he won them all across the UFC and WEC. Now, the WEC was originally a rival of the UFC. Then they bought it. It held their lower weight divisions until they decided to lump them all together under the UFC banner. So when Aldo made the transition from WEC to UFC, they didn't even make him fight for the title. They just put the UFC title around his waist. Ah, and he beat uh, many fighters over that 18-fight stretch. But we're talking about... Cub Swanson, Mike Thomas Brown, Uriah Faber, Kenny Florian, Chad Mendes twice, the Korean Zombie, and Frankie Edgar. When Aldo enters this fight, he's already like on the short list of the greatest fighters yes. of all time, yes. yet he's at the peak of his physical and yes. mental prime. Yes. <laughs> I love this. Uh, Sports Joe, somebody named Sports Joe posted, Connor spent 2,329 seconds in a UFC octagon. Aldo had four times as much experience. The fight was more or less even money. I saw some that had Aldo as the plus 105 dog. I saw Connor listed as, as a plus 115 dog and, and, and a, a minus 135 favorite. Connor landed five of six significant strikes. Jose landed one of his three punches, the one on his way out. It was Connor's third strike of the fight that landed and knocked Aldo out. The match lasted 13 seconds at the time it was the second most watched ufc pay-per-view ufc 194 had 1.2 million buys ufc 100 frank mir and brock lesnar had 1.3 mcgregor has gone on to tie that 1.3 million dollar buy record seven times topping out at 2.4 million the ufc's most watched fight against khabib nurmagomedov uh, Connor has the top six most watched fights in UFC history. Any thoughts on these stats? If I can add to your stats here, what, anyone, Connor McGregor's career as we record this is obviously is not over, although it's very much feeling like it's in the twilight. Yes. But what's his greatest legacy? Becoming the first champ, champ, simultaneous two division champ? Maybe. How about this? The 10 biggest pay-per-view yeah. fights in UFC history. He headlined eight of them. Of his eight headlining pay-per-views, seven sold more than a million buys. And this was during a time when the only people mm -hmm. that sold more than a million buys were Manny Pacquiao, yep. Floyd Mayweather, and the tail end of Mike Tyson's prime, yep. uh, post-jail, you know, commercial prime. Like, that's rarefied air. And uh, on top of that, Connor had only been in the UFC for two and a half yes. years. So this was like... Old school, the establishment against the wild, brash newcomer. And it's interesting that you said right there that the odds were that close and you always have to give Vegas credit for being sharp and knowing the potential. But entering this fight, this was the fight that was going to mm -hmm. shut Conor McGregor up. This was the fight that, okay, you're good in these areas, but you ain't beating the King of Rio. Yeah. And you certainly ain't beating him in the quickest finish in UFC title God history that still stands today. Oh, my God. What a, this is fantastic. All right. Let's go to the next credential. It's the ear test. What did we hear in this moment? Listen, I'm going to play the full fight. Why the hell not? 13 seconds. Let's listen to it together. The most highly anticipated featherweight fight of all time. Connor looks extremely loose, and Aldo looks like he's feeling the pressure of this moment. Green trunks for the southpaw, the notorious Conor McGregor. Black trunks for the champion, Jose Aldo Jr. Conor relaxed and smiling. Oh! He slapped him! Conor McGregor is the new UFC featherweight champion of the world! Oh! Unbelievable! Oh my God! Unbelievable! The first punch he threw! 
Mike Goldberg and Joe Rogan on the call. Your thoughts on that that uh, call there? Yeah, the defining moment of that call that that Joe Rogan said that echoes in every highlight package of the greatest moments is slept him. He mm. slept him. He literally called his shot and said, I'm going to knock you out with the first punch I throw. And while it wasn't the first punch he threw and technically not the first punch he landed, he literally knocked out the pound for pound greatest fighter of that moment with the first legitimate punch that he threw exactly the way he said he would. I've covered combat sports since 2010 on, on a, you know, sort of a national level as an editor, writer, now a, you know, broadcaster. It's very often, definitely in boxing, that when there's a finish in a fight, a big fight, you'll hear all the fixes in, right? Mm -hmm. Boxing, it, it, it makes sense because there's always hijinks associated with boxing, with bad decisions or questionable referee movements or whatever. MMA, on the other hand, we do have to realize... There are so many ways to freaking lose in MMA, right? Mm -hmm. From submissions to breaking your leg when you go for a kick and all of that. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Yet, he literally walked in there and finished this guy who was the best fighter in the world on an 18-fight win streak who hadn't lost in 10 years and did so by exactly calling his shot. <laughs> like... That and he did that for like three consecutive fights during this build. Yeah. There was there was I have never before heard so many people say, Oh my god, the fix was in. Obviously, Jose Aldo took a fall. Obviously, the UFC with the C standing for Connor wanted him to be right. their star. I have never seen a fight that produced more of a knee-jerk reaction to right. that. And the reason why is because it wasn't supposed to happen yes. and it damn well wasn't supposed to happen with one punch yeah. after let's not forget one thing, Neil, they were supposed to fight five yeah. months, six, seven months right. earlier in July, international fight week, UFC's centerpiece, the WrestleMania, if you will, of the year, Aldo pulled out with an injury. McGregor had torn his ACL 14 weeks prior yet fought Chad Mendes, a late replacement on one leg, won the fight, kept the momentum going trash talk this king this king of mma relentlessly and then walked in there and did exactly what he said and delivered one punch mcgregor had something around him that i call magic mm. that and this is why sports is great right i'm going to mention two moments that right away everybody will understand jeremy lynn's couple weeks where yep. he was dancing yep. on the clouds yep and Tim Tebow's run to the playoffs with the yep. Broncos that one year yep. where things were happening in front of your eyes yep. that did not yep. make sense. Yep. Jeremy Lynn should not be able to hit right. fadeaway threes over Kobe and drop 38 <laughs> in the garden. Like I think this shit should not stand. We, yep. It should not happen. Yep. Even though Conor McGregor was close to even money because of his mouth. And even though we all respected his fighting ability, that was not friggin supposed to happen it would be like pacquiao walking in and knocking mayweather out with the first punch he right. landed in that super fight right. right the reason why everybody said the fix was in is because we did not believe what we just saw yeah. that is what makes sports so great this was one of the most ridiculous results in elite combat sports that there has ever been I, uh, what, 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 i'm gonna add to that it was perfectly said. The, the, the words matter. That's what I'll say. Words matter. And a lot of times people use words and I'm like, I do you know what that word actually means? Like, do you know the root of that word? And like, is that what you're really saying? I think that way a lot. Th th that knockout, it's unbelievable. 
you you cannot believe that it's that it happened. It is the as I think about it, and you give me your response to this, it is the finest execution of a prize fighting game plan I've ever seen. Yeah, it's not a lucky punch. Right, it's not right. a lucky punch. That's right. He's he didn't just set him up for that punch. He had been setting Jose Aldo up for over a That's year right. with mental warfare. That's exactly the right. kind of stuff that doesn't break people like Jose Aldo. Yes, yes get what it got him to look what it got him to do. It got him to come forward, That's cross right. the center line with his hands down, trying to set up a combination and walking right into the perfect all-time missile. It when I talk about magic, what that really means is there's no limits to what they are capable of. When McGregor knocked him out with one punch, you not only heard the the Twitter go nuts uh, talking about a fix because it was inconceivable. We have a standing rule here on the show that when something feels magical, it's got a real goddamn chance of going to the first battle hall of fame. It, and it really does. We're going to get into this, into that, into the sort of magical part of this as we keep going here. The, the one thing I want to reference uh, quickly here in the ear test, Joe Rogan, who I don't agree with a lot of the things that he says, but he is an absolutely exquisite um, play-by-play com- color commentator, UFC, true or false? Yeah, especially back then. I think he's a little bit huh. past his prime now, and right. he only does the big events, and some people like other fight, you know, ex-fighters before. But Rogan played such a key role in this company's history, oh and at this gosh. point in 2015, he is at the top of his game. That's all you need to mm-hmm. say. He slapped yes. him. That's all you needed to say right there. Also, what about the Connor looks extremely loose? Cause he is exactly right. Like there was a lightness and a bounciness and a readiness to Connor that you could feel instantly. And then the camera pans over. And again, this is just great directing work by whoever the director was of this fight camera pans over. And he's like, and Josie Aldo looks like he's carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders or whatever it is that he said. It was just, it just framed the fight and the start of this thing perfectly. It just set this table perfectly for this one shot knockout. It was just a fantastic little broadcast on a very short fight. Cue the ESPN 30 for 30 narrator voice. What if I told you that not only would Conor McGregor knock out the best fighter in UFC over the past decade, right? With one punch, but that Aldo would be crying yes. during oh, the post-fight interview while McGregor is effortlessly sitting on the cage doing the yeah, cash the cheddar hand <laughs> gesture, but not doing it in a way like, oh my God, right. I can't believe I just won the Super Bowl. Doing it in a way of like, told you, right. told you I would do that. But there is just something about being able to command and control the moment and bend it to your willpower that that is what we always say fight sports inspires you because people get up off the canvas and do what we all want to do in life. But how about that right there? What if we could tap into that? What if what if you, Neil, could tap into the magic of literally Kevin Garnett? Anything is possible because I said it was there was something special mcgregor's almost a character now a lot of people talk about his partying and ridiculousness and he's pretty ridiculous never forget who he was in this run man, because it was a killer you, a man, killer you said it. He, he had this was a window this was a real window and i think about i you know being half filipino i think about manny a lot and i think about you know you mentioned de la hoya early that de la hoya manny fight changed my life and then he he goes on that run, and it's I don't remember the exact order, but it's like Hatton and Cotto and Margarito, and uh, I don't know, but I remember I'll never forget that window of time. That window yes. of time is 
a god that is a god that is as good as it gets for like a fighter to have that window where they're on the top of the world and they're putting on real performances and to your point bending things to their will and and they're entertaining and they're funny and they're charismatic and the, you, you you look at the you know however a fighter's career ends and you go oh you, I remember when this guy got knocked out or they lost this but you know Manny gets knocked out by uh, Marquez or or you know Connor snaps his leg and like those are the things that linger with you but not me man all I remember is those those windows of just pure beauty and sporting excellence that the world had never seen up until those those moments in those windows it's uh, I just really appreciate it um, and this was this was. Right there, the probably the top of the mountain for for Connor. Uh, the the eye test is next. The next credential. What did you see in this moment? Did you see anything in this fight that just gives it a little extra added oomph? I mean, you know, I expect maybe to see an eye of the tiger with Connor. He, right. It's not he's not even have that. He's walking out to the cage, you know, making these like scowling, funny mm-hmm. faces. I mean, he is so loose mm-hmm. as if. He belongs here as if this, you know, his story was already pre-written and he's just walking through the motions. Wow, that stands out huge. It's funny. You said this could be the mountaintop. I actually think the McGregor mountaintop moment is a year later against Eddie Alvarez, UFC 205, Madison Square Garden, where he's got two belts now, one on each shoulder. And he's suddenly in the post fight interview asking the UFC how to buy. He wants to be a stock owner. He wants to, you know, and that would lead, of course, to him making record-breaking money a year later with Floyd Mayweather and that you know, that perfect storm of combat, putting two stars together. But this Aldo moment is the most important moment in the run. And to look back at that, knowing the impact of this moment now, but then reliving it and watching Connor's mannerisms, you would have thought this was him fighting on the regional scene for peanuts. That I mean, I don't I don't understand how you're able to calm yourself and walk through that in the way he did. Brilliant stuff. The, uh, the 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 parallel that I want to make quickly is I think about and again maybe it's just where I was in my own personal life but when Manny beats De La Hoya and then Manny knocks out Hatton those are the signature moments from Manny's career but what he does to Cotto and Margarito are probably uh, more impressive and uh, m- much more dominant and that's what it feels like with this Connor moment this Connor moment this might be the most important but I agree with you that Alvarez fight is something else and then that whole moment which we'll get to that in a second as well uh, fantastic uh, I really appreciate also fuck Manny's politics I don't appreciate that <laughs> anyway uh, the, my eye test thing the, him and we're going to get to here in a sec that, that him stepping back that little slip he is off his front foot I'm like framing through this. I like downloaded the clip and I'm like framing through it in quick time to see his front foot is off the ground. When that punch connects on Aldo's chin to think about knocking a dude out like Jose Aldo, when you are backing up and your front foot is off the ground, he's got one foot on the goddamn ground and knocks a dude out. It's just an amazing performance. The execution. I, I can't even wrap my head around it. It's pinpoint precision. Yes. I mean, you you did an episode uh, on this about the uh, the great upset of uh, Kimbo Slice and Seth yes. Petrozelli, which yes. that was another fight where in the moment we're like, that's got to be a fix, right? He hit him with a jab. Only he was backing up, allowing Kimbo to come forward and hit him with the most perfect short pinpoint yes. shot. That's exactly what Connor did. Only this ain't Kimbo Slice. This is Jose Aldo. <laughs> and what you have to love is that wasn't the first left cross, which is Connor's money punch that he threw. We mentioned that he threw one earlier, what, about five seconds earlier, and he came up short. 
But Jose Aldo mentioned it in the post-fight interview. He said, Connor surprised me mm. by coming out so early with that left cross. He hit me in the chest. And that got Aldo thinking mm -hmm. that if he comes back with that, I'm going to step in, throw right. a two-punch combo, essentially block the first yes. punch with his right, right hand, land the, the second one. And as we know, he did land the second <laughs> one. It's just that Connors was quicker, shorter, oh my God. perfect. And oh as you mentioned, God. while going backwards... Man, I mean, when you've got the confidence to know you can deliver in a, in a, you know, you can thread the needle like that. That's something else. We uh, let's move to our next credential. It's the test of time. This is when we compare this moment against other moments. Like it, we, you've already talked. We, my, the first question I had here was, is this McGregor's best fight? I think I agree with you. I think it's Alvarez. Well, I say, I, listen, I say Alvarez is his mountaintop moment because the second half of his career, right, outside That's of the money against Mayweather, was downhill. He never got bigger. And the magic was never finer than him moving up in weight and doing what he said he would against Alvarez. But there's no win bigger than this. Yeah, there's yeah. no, there's no. Well, what about that? Than... What about the 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 rematch with Nate Diaz? That was. Uh, I got to give you that. That was a, a great call. A that that showed Connor digging in when we yes. questioned his cardio. Let's not mention. Let's not forget that he's basically up two weight classes right. at welterweight, right? Yes. Because he he fought Nate at UFC 196 last minute when uh, when RDA Rafael dos Anjos, who was the lightweight champion at the time, pulled out with a foot injury. Yes, the way that Connor fell apart in that first fight with Nate at UFC 196 got submitted after dominating early, but then later that summer came back and just at UFC 202 fought with with a with a level of guts and. I don't know, like ability to like reinvent himself mm. within a fight mm. that he's never had again. Connor is, is it like, here's the secret on Connor. A little bit of a front runner, right? <laughs> is going to beat you with plan A, one of the best first round fighters in the history of combat sports, right? Yeah. Like is just going to come out and it's going to be, he, you know, his left hand's going to find your chin. Yeah. The whole question is, is he going to be close enough and perfect enough to knock you out? Really that rematch with Nate Diaz, which I, I remember writing a, a front page column from ESPN.com during that time that was like, Connor needs to win this or yes. that magic, that right. invincibility right. is gone forever. Yes. And to his credit, he did dig in on a level he that really did. I didn't think was possible. And he, and he won a close, incredible action fight. Agreed. Uh, so listen, the test of time, let's compare the Connor's great post match or press conference moments. That's the, that's the test of time here, because this is what we need. Is what Connor did after this Aldo fight, is it great? Where does it rank among the other phenomenal Connor McGregor microphone moments? Let's listen to what Connor said right after the Aldo fight. Here it is. Again, nobody can take that left hand shot, but I tell you, he's, he's powerful and he's fast, but precision beats power and timing beats speed. And that's what you saw there. That is so good. In my head, he had to have planned that, right? Do you think he wrote that? It's perfect. It describes it's the situation. Perfect. perfect. It's too good. Listen, yeah. this is what I want to say. Listen, I don't even care if he wrote it. If he wrote it and memorized it and then went through the biggest fight of his career, knocked a dude out cold in 13 seconds and had the wherewithal to pull this pre-scripted line back up in his head and say it and drop it and nail the delivery. If that's all legit, even if he wrote this ahead or someone wrote it for him, I don't care. He nailed the delivery. It was perfect. And if he pulled, if he riffed that live, the fuck out of here. That's fantastic. 
It's great. And that extended post-fight interview with Rogan, I mean, it's just it's just talking perfect about, you know, timing, beating speed and, and precision, oh all that. I mean, God. like this moment, again, was not an accident because he predicted it would happen this way. And this is the moment he was setting up for perfectly. But you said sort of rank his post-fight reaction in history. The, I think the greatest post-fight Connor moment is it, it actually needs to be brought up now because it set the stage for this eventual fight with Aldo. And it came two fights earlier, early 2015, when he fought Dennis Seaver in a main event in Boston, which was a respected guy, but somebody yes. we expected him to beat. But this was a huge showcase, putting Connor in a main event in Boston, all Irish fans, all of that. And they put Jose Aldo, his wife and kids in the front row. And after Connor scored the knockout, what did he do? This is before this became cliche. Right. He leaped over the cage, hurdled the security, got in the front row Ugh. as Mrs. Aldo looked like, you know, a home invader had entered and started <laughs> jawing with Jose Aldo. I'm going to say something, Neil. Like, I, I really try hard not to compare to the all-time greats because it, it becomes sacrilegious almost, yeah, right? right? Like, there's only one boxer today, for example, that I say gives me Mayweather feels. That's Shakur Stevenson, a young guy who, if you don't know him, you will soon, two-division yeah. champion already, future pound-for-pound pound king. The only person in my history of watching combat sports that I said was Ali-like mm -hmm. was Connor during it's, this stretch. It's the truth. And it's not just the, the gift of gab and always having the right line at the right time, but when he went to do these ridiculous um, intimidating things. Don't think of Connor from the Habib build, even though that's the biggest fight of all time a few years later. That version of Connor, Connor I think, was too rich, overcompensating, yeah. trying to get in the head of this, you know, foreign villain here, Habib. But the Connor during the magic rise right here, mm -hmm. that's the only time good. we'll ever see anyone that can hold a candle to Ali. And the only reason, Neil, I'm comfortable in making that prediction is because he followed it up. He not only right. said it, he delivered it exactly the way he said he would for like a three, four fight stretch in ways that in hindsight, again, just blows your friggin' mind. You, I, you, it's, I feel like you're like trying to explain this to me and like, you're like, you wanted to protect yourself and be like, listen, I know this is like a crazy thing to say. And I'm sitting here going, I don't, I don't honestly know how anybody can argue against it. He is so entered. He has this insane mixture of like super funny and also really eloquent and like nailing the, the reads and the way he says it. Here's another one. He, you know, he does the whole mystic Mac thing. He coins his own nickname. And then this is what he says to his legion of Irish fans uh, right after a win. I wanted to come over here to America and show the American public the new era of the fighting Irish, and I brought my whole country with me. We don't, if one of us go to war, we all go to war. I mean, he just spent whatever it was. He just spent 15, 20 minutes getting punched in the face and like running around and his futures on the line and his, and his, his, uh, his family's financial, you know, uh, solvency is, is hanging in the balance. And then he's pulling out these lines that are just setting the stage perfectly. He's just writing this incredible story with this pen in the middle of a ring with cameras on him. He's dripping sweat. There's a guy sticking a mic in his mouth and he's saying all these perfect things it's just amazing to think about yeah and it's one thing to say it's another thing to back it up but he was always on point the conor mcgregor fight weeks are more fun yes, yes. than even the best boxing i just told you that boxing at its best there's nothing like it and i still agree with that 
But there's Conor McGregor fight weeks were more fun than most fights, more fun than whatever, because there was always that edge that there could be a fight breaking on any time. He's going to make you laugh. I'll never forget UFC 205 when he showed up late with the with the coat, with a mink coat shirtless underneath. And he's like, sorry, I'm late. I just don't give a fuck. And I mean, it just it just hit perfectly and you of course remember after he knocked out Eddie Alvarez when he's like I'd like to take a moment to apologize to absolutely nobody the double champ does what he wants he I mean I don't know if we'll see this again Neil and all you have to do is uh, there's a couple of Conor McGregor documentaries out there but there's actually one in particular which follows his pre-UFC days into some of these fights we're talking about like Aldo and before he was even in the UFC there's a camera in his bedroom with his girlfriend now his, his significant other sitting next to him and he's saying the same things yep. back then. Yep. Only he has no no money to his name and nobody knows who he is. Yep. He has become such a character that it is hard to, to remember who he was. But Neil, you're not gonna see another guy like this. It's the truth. I you're just I, I not. I just can't imagine. I just can't imagine seeing it. Here, here are the rest of these clips. Here's a, here's one. This is at the tail end of a pretty long post-fight interview. So again, this man has been punched in the face. Uh, someone tried to kill him for like 20 minutes and then someone sticks a, a microphone and a camera in his face and goes now be eloquent and entertaining and then he does it for a long time and at the end of the interview he says this i said it last year we're not here just to take part we're here to take over well, absolutely perfect here's connor in a pre-fight lead up you're talking about the pre-fight connor uh here's another classic would give you the hardest fight out of anybody on stage Right here. That's a question of Connor. Right here, the hardest hitting 145 pound, the real hardest hitting 145 er right here. This guy TKOs people. When I knock people out, they don't fucking move. They're like, who the fuck is that guy? Connor's just in complete control. He's in complete control. When you think you've got a chance to steal a little bit of spotlight from him, he's in total control. He doesn't rush forward. He doesn't need to throw some giant haymaker. He just steps back and throws that shot right on the button, knocked out cold. It's perfect control. In the ring, outside of the ring, on the microphone, it's super-duper impressive here is here is a Connor with Floyd pre-fight. This is probably the funniest thing I've ever heard leading up to a uh, prize fight. What the fuck? He's 40. You're 40 years of age. Dress your fucking age. Carrying a skill bag on stage. What are you doing with a skill bag on stage? You can't even read. I mean, he just, he's just on another planet. And you mentioned this earlier. This is Connor's masterpiece. Let's listen to this in part. Here is part one. I'm here with the winner and new, and for the first time ever, two division champion Connor McGregor. The first man ever to hold two titles simultaneously. How does this all feel to you? Where the fuck is my second belt? I've already got this one. Where's the second one at? Cheap motherfuckers. 4.2 billion this company was sold for. Where's that second belt? And he's not done. He's just beat Eddie Alvarez, uh, Joe Rogan back into the fray. What challenges you now? Now that you are a two division champion, are your thoughts to try to defend both titles? Are your thoughts to stay at lightweight? What do you want to do? Look, what's next for me, Joe? I'm going to get that second belt. Where the fuck is it? 
They should have had their two belts ready special for me. And then here, I mean, this is the wrap up. This is the grand finale. The, the, the best line that I've ever heard in, in a fight ever period. And I don't even think anything's even remotely close. I've spent a lot of time, Joe, slating everybody in the company. Backstage, I'm starting fights off everybody. I've ridiculed everyone on the roster. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the fuck he wants. I mean, it's just a perfect setup. It's a perfect set. The only thing I wish is that Joe Rogan hadn't said, here's your second belt. Just that little, just hearing Joe in the background, man, leave that naked. I wish the UFC uploaded that and just pulled that out. Uh, that is just devastatingly funny and charming and entertaining. It's just, it's, he is, uh, he is so goddamn good. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why he's, you know, the most popular, the biggest star in the history of this sport and what preceded him. Let's not forget were the short but incredible Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey eras right. where UFC had their first legitimate. I mean, yes. look, Chuck Liddell was big. Tito right. Ortiz was big. But they had household crossover yes. event names in Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey. Yet Connor took that to another yeah. level. And I yeah. want to bring that Ali comparison back in one more time. Because, again, it's, it's, a, it's one thing to be able to say all this stuff and have the timing and be funny but also be charming. It's another thing to deliver. But his grasp of mental warfare, that's what's most Ali-like. How did Ali beat Sonny Liston if you're a boxing historian yes. in the first fight? By making Liston believe he's crazy. Right. How did Connor beat Jose Aldo? Because they had two builds to the fight because Aldo pulled out of that mm. fight, like I mentioned, months earlier. And this is back when the UFC used to put some money behind the pay-per-view promotion. They went on a multi-city press tour. They went to Brazil. Connor is trashing the local Brazils, bringing up the favelas, making fun of it. And then he goes over and steals Jose Aldo's oh, belt. So over good. time, think of him jumping the fence that I mentioned and running into the crowd after he beat Seaver. Those are planting seeds in Jose Aldo's head that A, this guy might actually be crazy enough to be as good as he says he is, but B, I freaking hate this guy so much that I'm going to get out of character yes. to try to prove to him how much he's wrong. And, and I, I don't want people to realize if you weren't a day-to-day -day MMA fan, even though these odds were close, it was expected that inevitably Connor, who did not have a well-rounded game, he had a left hand and he mm -hmm. had great timing inevitably when he fought a complete well-rounded fighter, particularly one who can wrestle that the gig would be up. It mm. would be all over. But if he can get you your chin before that happens, oh my God, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it, this was the, this was the greatest thing. He is the greatest gift the UFC has ever received. It he, really is. So it's time to get into this. Uh, let's dive into the magic of this moment. It does feel a little bit, even like when he's like, Connor feels incredibly loose. He, he seems like he's on another vibration. He feels like he's on a different wavelength. And then you, you talk about the fact that they were supposed to fight previously. And Connor during that lead up predicted that he thought Jose might bail out of their first fight. He predicted he might bail. And then he did. And then he came back and, uh, Connor completely and totally predicted how this was going to go. He called his shot. Like that that's the thing I think about when I think about Babe Ruth. D 
calling his shot, which I don't even know the truth behind that story. We'll have to do an episode on the calling his shot at some point. But as a kid, someone told me once Babe Ruth walked up to bat, pointed where he was going to hit the ball, and then hit a home run there. And as a kid, I was like, that's the most insane thing well, I've ever heard in my in life. 1932 World Series. So it wasn't a game that mattered. Fucking Jesus Christ. See, I don't know anything about it. All, it it could have been any game. To do that in any game and then to, 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 to hit the home run in that direction feels amazing. It feels like otherworldly. And, and when I think about this moment, I go, Connor told everybody what he was going to do time and time again, and then he did it. Let's listen to Connor again pre-fight leading up. Here's what Connor had to say. I think the right hand could be, if you look at the... I felt when we stared down, I felt his right hand was twitching a little bit, but it was a subtle tell for me. He is, he is ready to un unload that right hand, but I feel that could be a downfall for him if he, if he lets that right hand go. I will not be there. If I faint and he reacts some way, I will faint and give. I will give him that reaction to set him up for something else. I will create traps and dead space inside that that octagon, all over all over the place, and I will walk him into it like a zombie. I mean, he he did exactly that. And then there's this apocryphal clip, which maybe you've seen online. We'll put it on our social at first ballot pod on Twitter at first ballot hof on Instagram. I realize those should be the same. Uh, where Joe Rogan is referencing watching Connor warm up for this fight. We talked about it earlier. Here is Joe discussing it on his pod. And did you I see think, the video of him again. warming up in the dressing room? And then in contrast, like a split screen with him warming up right next to uh, the actual fight itself. He was preparing exactly for that maneuver. And he, so he, all he that was mimicking. Talk. He's mimicking Aldo's face-first movement, mm -hmm. and he does this little slight step to his right-hand side. He makes an adjustment. He throws the first left hand. The first left hand doesn't land. So if you watch him, him moving, he throws that side kick to the leg. Then he makes a very slight step to the right. Aldo moves to the right hand, counters him with Bam. the left. Boom. Boom. Brian, he doesn't just win this fight, the biggest fight of his career, in fantastic fashion. He, everything that he said he was going to do, he did. How do you explain that? It's magic. And it's the same magic, by the way, that led me to wrongfully predict he was going to win, you know, every fight he's ever taken after the Eddie Alvarez <laughs> fight because I no longer could competently put a ceiling above what he's capable of. And mm. that's, again, knowing mm. that he's got a gap in his style. He doesn't have great takedown defense. He doesn't have submission ability. He's not a good wrestler. There are fighters who could absolutely expose him, and to some degree, they ultimately did. But when he was atop, atop his game, I mean, it's freaky as you played those great clips to see, you know, he wasn't just stating what could happen in the future he was naming the round, the time, yes. the circumstance. That is an understand. That is a a beautiful mind understanding of being able to dig. It, it's it's. I don't know how to explain it. Can you explain Jeremy Lin or Tim Tebow? No, you can't. Well, right? that's that's what I want to ask. Do you put any stock? My wife is a witch, not like a bad, like a mean lady, but right. she um, feels things and says things, and then they come true. And maybe that's just you know the bias of of seeing it come true. But I think it's real. And I did not grow up this way. Uh, my father is an immigrant to this country. He, he would have thought that was stupid. I'd never admit to my father that I start to believe that maybe this stuff is real. But my wife goes, "What? just what if it is real? What if 
he could see the matrix. What if Connor could see this? What if he did know? What if he is on a different wavelength? What if there is something magical and he knew and he could see this and he did speak it into existence. And my wife makes me go, what if that's real? Wouldn't that be fascinating if that's real? And that's what uh, one of the gifts my wife has given me is to just open me up to that idea. Do you put any stock into that? Is that real? Is I do. Conor McGregor magic? I mean, there, there. Look, sometimes, look, you know, I'm a, I'm a devout Christian. I've seen crazy things happen that I couldn't explain to you, and no one would know. But what I've seen is that there are times in this life. I mean, my, my children were saved through miraculous medical recoveries when they were told they wouldn't live as, as, as mm. small babies born four and a half months premature. I mean, I've seen mm. miracles happen. Mm. It's opened up my, my worldview understanding of mm. what is possible. Mm. Uh, I did during this time say to people, is Connor dabbling in like black magic here? Is he like, right. is he like just ahead of the game and figured it out? I don't know what it is, but I do with him. I do point back to that confidence. It's not a regular confidence. It isn't. It is not at all a regular confidence. It's an it's an abnormal, next level, mm. visionary confidence. So whether you get to that point spiritually, right. through religion, right. through whatever, what, whatever your entry point is to that, if we all believe that that you always hear that stat, we're only using what is it, ten percent of our yes, brain, whatever right. it is. Yes. yes. There's something next level that he's tapping into. Now, is Connor part of the Kabbalah occult? I don't know. Is he a Freemason? I don't know, Neil. But whatever, like they said in Harry Met Sally, I'll have what he was having back in 2015 and 16. Because, um, I mean, what what's possible in your life, Neil? I mean, can yeah. you know, look at that man in the mirror. Ask him to change his ways. I mean, what can I get some of that, please? It is fast. It's just think about that for a second. Take one second and think about this. Can you be so confident that you can make the thing that you want to have happen, happen? Can you make it happen through the strength of your will and your positivity? It's just fast. If that's, if that's possible, if that has been possible, like, I'm not saying it's like everybody can do it, but is it, can you, can you tap into that and use it for, it's just fascinating to think about. Yeah. I can't believe yeah. I turned that off for so long in my, in my life. Well, I think and, there's a power in belief in faith and yeah, faith yeah, in yeah, whatever, sure. whatever you're believing in, yes. there is a power in that. And, yes. And, you know, is it going to go perfect? Can I say I want to do this right. and that? I don't know. But could right. it give you your best fighting chance? Yeah. I think there's something to learn from yeah, that. I, I, I totally agree. Fascinating to think about. Uh, let's. We've got a couple other credentials here I want to rip through. Uh, Twitter fingers, any great tweets? I've got one here from a B. Campbell. He tweeted, at Marathon Mike, better be I better believe I'll catch it. I hope McGregor is for real, but I have a hard time not seeing Aldo expose him. That's from you, Brian. Oh, wow. Tweeting an at Ma the Marathon Mike and saying that you believe Aldo will ex expose McGregor. How do you feel now that you are 100%? Wow, I didn't even know I tweeted that. I have yeah. no idea who Marathon Mike is, but I want to tell you again, <laughs> that was the thought that, hey, yes, this guy's 100%. fun as crap. Yes. He makes following the sport fun. Right. He predicts these things right. but, but jose aldo right. is a whole nother <laughs> level to it right you know we all yes. loved hoop dreams but inevitably arthur right. ag was going to run into that city powerhouse that was going to take him down right you know it's like hey fun while it lasted right? that's the truth uh the x factor my x factor here is that embedded series it's the doc series that uh ufc does on youtube and again they sort of are documenting the entire you know lead up to the fight uh connor says 
quote, I would invade his favela on horseback. <laughs> I mean, he is absolutely nuts. The, and again, another truly, we'll put this moment on the on the Instagram, on the socials as well. When he snatches, because again, Aldo's the, the title holder. The belt is sitting in front of Aldo and McGregor snatches it from him, steals it from him. I mean, it's just so funny. And that series is so good. And again, really sets the table for how much these two don't like each other how much connor is baiting this guy into being you know enraged and then he steps into that uh into that punch it's it's a fantastic x factor and it's it's mine here do you have an x factor for this fight well i don't know if it's an x factor but i'll say one thing about this fight yeah to me this is one of the shortlist fights of like if you if you did it at that point right mm -hmm. this was december of 2015 and you had run it back 10 times we would right. say that okay you upset you know this team upset this team but what happens in a seven game series yeah 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 I still believe like the great unknown is what would this fight have actually looked like? Right. All we got was 13 yes. seconds. Yes. Connor landed the perfect punch at the right time. Did he, did he play mind games to get Jose to be open for that? Yes. He might've, it might've all worked out perfectly, but what the heck does that fight actually <sighs> look like? It turned out just by happenstance, unfortunately for Jose, that he never got the rematch. Now, right. part of that is because the next year, Connor would stumble into a two fight series with Nate Diaz that we mm. talked about that was outside of his weight class. Jose Aldo would come back the following summer. He would fight for the interim title and in division in the rematch with Frankie Edgar. He would win it. Eventually, though, he'd be upgraded to full champion when Connor beat Eddie Alvarez mm -hmm. for the lightweight title and then walked away from the sport for a while. So we never did get that shame because of the of who Jose Aldo was and still is, yes. right? An all-time great. If anybody deserved a rematch, it was him. For sure. But Connor gets to own their rivalry, yes. that fight, that moment. And we'll okay. never know. Neil, right. if that fight goes three minutes or six minutes, it's a it might be a completely different fight. We have yeah. no idea. You know what? I When you first suggested it, and I love that ad. When you first suggested it, I thought, yeah, that's a negative that we don't know. I'm actually going to flip it. I'm now going to say it's a positive because it's like lore. We'll never know. And we can yeah. all think about it and talk about it. And it's like something that can be ours forever because we will never know. That I actually am going to flip that around and go, that's a positive here. That's adding to this moment. I love that suggestion. Uh, here's uh, the, the next credential. It's the comment section. Any great comments on this? We went to the, you know, the old YouTube, see what people wrote. At EHES1492 wrote, YouTube made me watch a 15-second ad before this 13-second fight. Fantastic. <laughs> I see the time is ticking down us, Brian. It's almost time for America's favorite podcast segment. It's called More Important But First. Brian, you mentioned your father. You mentioned your grandfather. You mentioned that you have children. Are you passing down your love of a violent sport to your children? Well, Neil, I... Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry we don't have time for any of that bullshit. Who cares? Who cares what you're doing with your kids, Brian? It's time for something more important. Brian, I'm about to ask you a series of questions. Your answer to these questions will all be far more important than any of that bullshit. You're about to start talking about your kids. Get your kids out of here. Your answers to these questions will define who you are as a man on this planet. Are you ready for more yes. important? Yes. What is your favorite beverage? I uh, I got to go with root beer. Oh, let's go. Yeah. I, mean, I love that. Robbie, yeah. play uh, Oh Hell Yeah right here. Oh, oh, hell yeah. Thank you so much. Um, uh, what, what Do you have a, a favorite root beer brand? Uh, Dad's root beer. Ah. Doesn't, have the, doesn't have the bite like Barks, right? But, but just has that solid old school taste. You know? I like Dad's over mugs. I agree with that. Uh, I would say A&W, this isn't about me. Okay, what is your least favorite animal? 
Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever really considered what that. What is but, your uh, least favorite animal? Oh, squirrels. Squirrel. Squirrels. I once Squirrel. had a third floor walk-up apartment, and I had a pa- an adult paper route in my early 20s to pay rent. I got back at 3 in the morning, and there was a squirrel atop my stairs. And I thought I would just take a broom and scare him away so I can go in and go to sleep. He went into fight-or-flight mode. He started throwing his body against the wall and shooting crap all over the place. Unbelievable. He gave me this snarly look like he was going to eat me, and I had to go sleep in my car. Uh, (laughs) Squirrels, what a fantastic answer and story. Uh, Next question. Do you believe there was a window of time where Manny Pacquiao could have beaten Floyd Mayweather? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I would would look back and say his best chance without question was in that 2010-2011 area. Once he lost to Tim Bradley, and specifically ahead of his – Third fight with Juan Manuel yes. Marquez, where, as legend has it, in the locker room before walking out, Jinky confronted him about his womanizing and gambling, and that <laughs> led him into a born-again Christian turn. And while right. I have taken the same route and stand by it, Manny didn't have that same <laughs> electricity. Uh, I uh, No one's better at picking when to fight a fighter than Floyd Mayweather. He was the, the best, he's the best yeah. at that. And fuck Manny's politics one last time. Uh, pound for pound, who's the hardest puncher you've ever seen? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Francis Ngannou of the UFC, oh, who is going to be entering a, a ridiculous boxing match with Tyson Fury coming up that I'm not sure what to do with. But I'll say this. I think the nastiest knockout in combat sports history is Francis Ngannou versus Alistair Overeem. Yes. It, it was oh. an uppercut. I believe it was at the end of 2017, and it led to to him getting his first title shot that he lost to Stipe Miocic. It's four-ounce gloves, an uppercut oh from, from basically his kneecaps yes. up. That is the most just it's, smash face, worst punch I've ever seen. It's almost life. too much. It's it, yeah. it almost is too much. I mean, it probably is for, for that man, but it, for even for me as a, as a fan watching it, it's almost too much. Uh, what is the best martial arts movie of all time? Oh, wow. Rafe's going to kill me here. Rafe Bartholomew, if I don't hit something like Best of the Best Part 2 or something <laughs> here. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a great Do you have a favorite? Answer. Do you have a favorite martial arts movie? I mean, I love really cheesy martial arts yeah, yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine. such a Seagal guy, right? Same. And I, you know, <laughs> and I'll go to my grave in the great debate of, of because you know, look, Rafe and I once wrote a, a co-story for Grantland about the prime of Seagal. That his yeah. first six action movies <laughs> I'll put up against anybody <laughs> ever. But he loves Out for Justice, which is a which so is basically good. Seagal's version of Commando, and it's great. <laughs> But Marked for Death so is the good. dark action thriller <laughs> classic that we all needed. Which which movie is it where he goes, Ooh, anybody know who killed Bobby Lupo? And he puts the Yeah, that's out for justice. Okay, that's yeah. a great, that's, hey man, you so know. Good. Who's yeah. a boxer in here? Who's a boxer? You're a boxer? Okay. <laughs> yeah, what's so a boxer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the best finishing move in professional wrestling history? I'm going to judge you here. I'm going to right. decide who you go, are and what you're about. I got to go back to my roots. There was a badass among all badass. My favorite thing about wrestling is finding out who could really fight. Yes. The, the, the short answer on that is always uh, uh, Haku or Meng, whatever you want to call is him. He's true? the guy, that Samoan guy. But Bad News Brown oh, once yeah. won a, a judo, I think, gold medal in the Olympics. Is that true? He was like in his 40s and 50s. Uh, he had the ghetto blaster, yes. which was a reverse drop kick to the back of the head. And being a boxing fan, they always said, if you rabbit punch somebody in the back of the yeah. skull, my dad used to always tell me, you could kill, kill somebody. Him. You could That's punch right. them in their brain stem. You could and die. This, 
And this bald-headed African-American guy wearing one black leather glove would drop two feet to the back of your head and knock you face first out. I'm like, that's the nastiest move I've uh, ever seen. What a great answer. That could what be the finest work on this podcast. The, the Ghetto, Ghetto Blaster. Blaster. That's the best name ever. <laughs> Fantastic. What a great answer. Uh, uh, dunks or passes? Oh, dunks all day. What's your favorite day. dunk? It sounds cliche, and I'm not really even a Jordan guy, but the greatest dunk of all time came in the 91 playoffs when Jordan at the Garden yeah. spun baseline yes. yeah. over uh, to get out of a double team, yep. jumped up against Patrick Ewing. They both hit the the, the apex of their jumps, yeah. only then Jordan found another like four or five <laughs> inches and put it right in Ow. his face. <laughs> I could throw the Scottie Pippen one over Ewing there as maybe the most disrespectful one of yeah, all yeah, time, yeah. but I was a... I'm a monster dunk contest historian and lover of that. And I think we all have to say that pick any of the first three dunks that Vince Carter landed in 2000. And we can look back and realize how much the game was changed overnight. Who do you believe is the best fictional boxer you've ever seen in a movie or TV show? Who do you believe is the fighter that was the best? (sighs) And is it Chong Lee? Is it Chong Lee from Bloodsport? No. Oh, it could be. It really could be. I mean, that guy was absolutely vicious. I was going to go more traditional and yeah. go. I know it's funny because I want to say Apollo Creed or Clubber Lang, but they both lost to this five foot six Italian guy from Philadelphia, <laughs> who who never 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 blocked one punch in his life and just kept going to the body. But I mean, Apollo Creed's modeled after Muhammad Ali, and yes. he just looked the part as yeah. a destroyer. But if we're going to go deep into like martial arts death movies, I'm sure there's much better answers I should have come up with. You know. Uh, the answer's Draco. Okay, it's not about me. It's time. You did a great job. This was a lot of fun. This episode was so much fun. And listening to you uh, do do one hell of a job. Do a whale of a job. Absolutely out of sight on more important was fantastic. It is now time for the cosign. The floor is yours. The mic is yours. Brian, does this Aldo McGregor fight belong in the first belt hall of fame? And why? It does, because I think there's very, you know, very few times, especially as an MMA fan, that moments happen in the UFC as the the sport leader that transcend the sport, that go Mm. way beyond Mm. the the fight fan, the sports fan. Ronda Rousey was a big part of that. The only moment I could say in my UFC fandom, which does go back to UFC 4 and my dad's illegal cable box and watching (laughs) Keith Hackney punch Joe Son in the balls like 76 (laughs) times in a row until he tapped out, was this... um, when Ronda Rousey got head kicked by Holly Holm, yes. it literally felt like the world was upside down yes. because we never thought Rousey could lose, right. especially not like that. But Aldo McGregor was right friggin' there. This yeah. is in the Hall of Fame because it, it is the most absurd moment. Still the fastest knockout in UFC title history. It's just the whole build, which took over a year in the end to get to that fight. Conor McGregor versus Habib is the most sold and most watched UFC big title fight of all time, and that had the nastiest build ever. But there was like a sport build about Aldo McGregor, a changing of the guard, a transaction that transcended sports. We talked about the McGregor magic. I don't know if we'll see something exactly like this again. UFC gives us a lot of great memories. Leon Edwards' head kick two years ago to win the title. We get great moments. This was this had everything. This is, this is in the Hall of Fame. I perfectly said it's time for... The induction speech. That's when I and Neil get to decide whether this thing's going into my Hall of Fame. Listen, I don't want to wield that around, but it is true. It's my Hall of Fame. I made the goddamn thing. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Now, listen, I'm going to take everything Brian said into account. There's not much I can add past that. The only other thing I wanted to say, I read a quote from Connor on his Instagram page. 
Uh, after the fight, posts a picture of himself victorious. The caption reads, To the naked eye, it was 13 seconds. But to my team and my family, it has been a lifetime of work to get to that 13 seconds. Wow. If you think about his entire life leading up to that moment, his entire career, his financial future, his family's well-being, his parents' well-being, the generations of his children and grandchildren who will all eat off of this guy's career. To get into that moment and to execute that well, that precisely, that accurately, I, I really can't wrap my head around it. It's too much to think about. The magic of it, the entertainment of it, how funny he was. Of course this thing is in the first Bell Hall of Fame. I don't think there's there's not really much of a debate here. I, I won't hear it. I won't hear any other complaints. Congratulations, Conor McGregor, Brian Campbell, Jose Aldo, uh, Dana White, whoever else had something to do with this fight. Your moment first is in the first Bell Hall of Fame. May your plaque hang on the walls forever. Oh, my God. You must be elated. You must be so. This is this the top of your career? Is this the best moment of your career so far? This is without a doubt helping push this into induction. This is the moment I'll tell my kids about. <laughs> Ryan, how can people follow you? How can they support you? Uh, what are you working on? Thank you. You can find me at B Campbell on uh, Twitter X or whatever we call that that <laughs> must confused uh, uh, place uh, at Brian C Campbell on Instagram. But really. My heart and soul gets poured into morning combat three days a week. It's Showtime so Sports and, show, and CBS Sports digital show looking at preview and review and interview and everything that matters in boxing and mixed martial arts and a lot of dick jokes thrown in between. If that's your com- <laughs> comedic flavor, Luke Thomas and myself and uh, Colin fights hopefully somewhere for Showtime uh, as I continue to climb the ladder in my career. I'll tell you what. I've done a lot of great drugs in my life, Neil. OK, not anymore, though, but I've done a lot of great drugs. The best drug in this world is sitting ringside and calling a boxing oh. match and lending your your voice to the soundtrack I can't imagine. of this there's nothing there's nothing there's not I mean I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of sex I didn't have that could have changed my life but there's nothing like this okay you know what I mean there's nothing like this Brian Campbell thank you so much for being on the show thank you that's it. That's the show. My thanks to Mr. Brian Campbell. Now, there's a guy I think I could be friends with. Me and Brian talking sports and watching fights. Man, that would be great. Follow Brian. Support that man. We're all we got. My special thanks goes to my old man. I love you, Dad. Thanks for getting me into sports and prize fighting, especially. Thanks to the team. Jessica Rob, Bob, Rhythm J, EJ, DA, David Estramskis at Ball's Life. That's the team. The Asians outnumber the non-Asians on this show. That's important. Please rate and review us if you would. It would help the show. And please come back next week for more First Ballot. First Ballot.